Hello and welcome to ROI, Relevant or Irrelevant, the radio show where events of history are examined through the discussion of books, journal articles, papers, and presentations. Then historians and history buffs ask the question, what is relevant or irrelevant in today's world? My name is John Keeley and this is the 490th show of ROI. Our guest for today's show is Brian Monroe, Assistant Director of Safer Foundation Quad Cities, who is going to talk to us about Safer Foundation. Joining us for the second segment of the show will be our history buffs, Rick Sweet and Jay Swords. To begin with, welcome to the show, Brian. Thank you very much. Uh, we call the first segment of our show Farouk Dinarn, but we could also throw a little uh, history as local in as well. And our goal is to give our listeners a little background on today's subject. So, Brian, can you start us off with some basic information of what Safer Foundation is and how long it's been around, and how long has it been in the Quad Cities? I'd be happy to. That's a, a great setup, John. I appreciate it. Um, we are, uh, Safer Foundation is uh, an organization that deals exclusively with individuals that have had some type of impact from the, the criminal legal system. And that, that may be an arrest, or uh, they may be on, on parole, but we, we deal exclusively with that uh, set of individuals, helping them get on a path to a, to a better life, actually, to a better future. Uh, the company's been around since actually 1972. We're celebrating our 50th anniversary this year, and uh, we're almost here that long in the Quad Cities. Uh, so 72 in Chicago, where, which is where our headquarters are, and 76 uh, we moved, uh, opened a, an office here in the Quad Cities, and at this time, we're the only satellite operation for Safer Foundation. Um, the the sole intent, or the primary intent, when Safer was started in Chicago, and our really our foundational program here in the Quad Cities is is employment based. Um, so many of our programs have an employment component to them some it's it's all that they do and the reason for that was there uh, the gentleman that founded the organization 50 years ago recognized a need to help individuals that have been released from prison find work um, so we like to say that that we focus on creating equal opportunities for people with arrest and conviction records by um eliminating or minimizing barriers to their return into society, uh, of which there are many barriers. But finding a job is one of them. Conversely, having a job, having a quality job, is, uh, is a known factor in keeping individuals from what's called in the industry recidivating, um, reoffending, or, or going back to, to prison, getting, getting rearrested. So helping individuals find a, a good job was really the foundation of the organization uh, 50 years ago, and it's really a, a major component of what we do yet today, and, and not just any job. We, we have some individuals that, that come release into the Quad Cities or, or in Chicago that they really just need a way to get a little money in their pocket. They need a little boost, and so we'll help them get a transitional job and that may be something as something as simple as um, bagging groceries or working at a convenience store something something like that while at the same time we work with them 
to help them get skills that they need to do, <clears throat> excuse me, to do something a little more um, substantial, if you will. But that that's been our that's been our basis uh, over time, and and uh, over time we have grown. Uh, we are in the Quad Cities. There are 17 full-time employees here in three different offices, and uh, combined with the Chicago office, we have right around 300 employees. And that Chicago market, as you might imagine, is is substantially different. But the challenges that the individuals that we work with. Um, remain remain the same it's those it's what it doing what it takes to get um, individuals on a, on a strong enough footing that they can make a difference in their lives and have a better future and make a difference in their communities okay um who is the founder of the organization if i may ask and obviously I mean, this is an incredible um um cornerstone of, of trying to get people back so they can participate in society safely. Uh, do you also work with other organizations in the process of this? We have a lot of partners, um, large and, and small, here in the Quad Cities and in, and in Chicago. Uh, and the, I'm, I'm scrambling mentally um, for the name of the founder. That's terrible. He, I believe he has passed, so I'm safe not, uh, not knowing his <laughs> <He's> name. Not, <laughs> yeah. We don't his take phone directly. calls from people from the outside <laughs> that's going to burn you and say, how'd you remember? forget my name? No, I, I we don't, don't do that. We're coming We're coming up on Halloween. Maybe I can <laughs> get something up here. Um, it's actually two, two gentlemen. Oh, I'll hear about this. But... Um, <laughs> <laughs> the part the partners that we work with are are many that you might expect um they range from in here in the quad cities from uh humility homes um that we work with on the on the housing side of things um 180 uh united way is a huge partner of our salvation army um seventh district judicial system uh, and we have a, lot, a number of of wonderful f- funders here in the Quad Cities that that we partner with as well. Hubble and Waterman, um, Regional Development Authority, Day Foundation. There there are a number that we work with. The Quad Cities Community Foundation. I can't leave them out. And the United Way. They're all partners, you know, in in one sense or another. Wh- whether they they work with us um, on shoring up our resources, or even to the point where they they'll direct. Um, private funders on occasion to us that uh, that feel that safer uh, meets their mission or meets their objectives for how they want to spend their money on the on a much larger scale and and Chicago offices have similar partners and we have we're great relationships with the municipalities here and Chicago similarly has great relationships in the communities that they're with there at the city and the metro level but on a larger um scheme of things number of our programs here and in chicago are funded by department of labor department of justice by the state of illinois by the state of iowa so we have great partnerships with those organizations and a lot of the programs that we offer um, because there is a criminal justice component obviously um, have some aspect of that that we that we have to address uh, either due to the funder or due to the communities that that we're 
we're functioning in. Okay, we have a lot more to talk about, so please stay tuned for the next segment of our show. This is ROI on KLA, St. Ambrose University, 106.1 FM. Special thanks to Cookies and Dreams for being a supporter of KALA. Cookies and Dreams is located in downtown Davenport, Bettendorf by the TBK Betplex, and Coralville, Iowa River Landing, and more locations coming to the Chicago area and Ankeny, Iowa. Cookies and Dreams has a new flavor every Friday. Delivery options include Chow Now, with more options available soon. Thank you again to Cookies and Dreams for being a KALA supporter. You can find Cookies and Dreams on Facebook and Instagram. Hello and welcome back to ROI, Relevant or Irrelevant, the radio show where events of history are examined through the discussion of books, journal articles, papers, and presentations. Then historians and history buffs ask the question, what is relevant or irrelevant in today's world? My name is John Keeley and this is the second segment of our show referred to as The Kitchen Table. Our noted guest for today is Brian Monroe, Assistant Director of Safer Foundations Quad Cities, and we're talking about Safer Foundation. Our history buffs for today's show are Rick Sweet and Jay Swords. Rick, why don't you start us off? Okay, John, I will. Brian, I uh, saw an article in the Quad City Times uh, last July that talked about your your uh, organization and and one of the uh, the uh, persons that you were working with after he was incarcerated for seventeen years. Now, I was just wondering, how do you how do you receive a person uh, or find a person who comes to you that needs your services, your organization services? It really varies, Rick. We've got a great relationship on on both the the Illinois and the Iowa side with the with the justice system and with the parole uh, departments and in in each of those areas where they. Uh, we it, you know it's it's incumbent upon us to make sure that they're they're aware of us but we we have been around for a while we do have to let them know what different programs we have because the programs do change but staying in touch with with that particular group so that when they do have uh, a new parolee placed in their care they know that they can reach out to us um to bring that individual in and and perhaps help them out and that that brings a, a couple things to to mind that's that's one way families um faith community uh friends also you know are are sending people into the funnel and and i guess to to maybe clarify a little bit the perspective of the individuals that we work with right now our programs help individuals from 16 and up and each program is a little different and has has a little different focus. So the referrals that we get may be uh, different. Our youth empowerment program, for instance, um, at this time, it's a, it's our hope to grow that to to accept others. But at this time, it's exclusively individual youth, eight, 16 to 18, that have become disenfranchised from the traditional school system, and they have to be referred to us by the juvenile court system. There are other ways for them to come to us, but that's the way that particular program works. And um, the end goal there is to, I mean, we we like to call it a life skills program, um, but we do hope to, and, and we do in most cases, help those individuals get their high school diploma and then help them on a path to, to getting a job. But other programs are, are more, you know, through that parole 
network when the individuals do come to us. And when they do come to us, one thing that we do in any of our programs is do um, a pretty extensive intake with them. So, for instance, I, I mentioned, you know, the importance of getting a job. What research has shown is that just having a job doesn't make that much of a difference. It, it makes a difference, but not a huge difference in whether or not someone recidivates or reoffends. Getting the right job or getting a high-quality job is, is what makes that difference, something that they they will latch on to and make a commitment to. Um, and that's, that's kind of the, the difference for us on that. Every, every individual is treated individually, and it's not a cookie-cutter program, even our most basic programs. We do that intake, and we found out what, find out what's going to work for them. That, that was a long answer to a simple question. <laughs> no, it's a good answer. Very good answer. Jay. Um, Brian, I'm, I'm interested. You hinted at it in the first segment, and I'd like you to expand on some of the, the, um, the obstacles uh, that stand in the way of, of someone who's been uh, involved in the justice system um, from reintegrating. And I think the, the one that most of us are familiar with is just the stigma that comes from having been arrested and or convicted and been in prison and so forth and so on. But, you know, while that's the one we tend to most think of, I suspect there are a number of others. So can you talk about some of those obstacles that, that someone faces? Yeah, sure. That's a that's a great question because that that stigma impacts every everything else that I'm going to tell you about. It, it makes every other challenge that I'm going to tell you about harder. It makes that barrier more difficult to get over or to get through. Um, so it's everything from uh, you know with with younger individuals typically uh, getting their their high school equivalency equivalency diploma. Um, but it's it impacts parental rights, um, getting licensing, getting getting a license, driver's license, is difficult. Transportation is difficult because most of the individuals that are coming out don't have a car, don't have a way to get around. They rely on friends or family if they have that. Once they get a job, they often need family to to drive and pick them up. And our our, our local transportation system, as good as it is, <clears throat> really is not very good for for a large majority of our uh our individuals you know lack of buses on sundays or or late at night you know guys guys and gals that want to work uh third shift housing is the is the most difficult area for us um and it it has to do with everything from uh property owners not wanting to rent to individuals with a, a record of any kind um, and there are that that's a that's a tough one on both sides of the river, and something that we're we're really trying to fight and trying to get uh, get a little relief on from a policy standpoint. Uh, but it also has an impact because the individuals when they're coming out, you can imagine, don't have a, a credit rating. They they don't have a renting history. <laughs> you know, they're starting they're starting at zero. And uh, so they can't even get past, you know, some of those very simple things. Healthcare, you know, em employment, we've talked about public benefits, parental rights, every one of those. Um, you can imagine someone coming out, uh, you know, a man or a woman, and, and then having, having a, fe a felony, you know, behind your name 
you know, makes it even 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 harder. So it's a, kind of across all of those 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 areas. The most simple things that you can think of, it, it, it can impact. Okay, to ask this question, you did a marvelous job explaining um, what this organization tries to accomplish. But to the skeptics out there, and there are sure a lot of them, what would you, what points would you turn to and say, hey, yeah, look at this program is a success for the community. How would you explain to them that, yes, this is definitely something that the community and organizations should invest in to make our community better? Yeah, that's a, that, that's great. Thank you for the opportunity. Uh, you know, I, if I'm out giving a presentation where, where I can see the people that I'm talking to, I'll, I'll ask, you know, who, who knows someone or has someone in their life that has been impacted by the criminal legal system. And again, that could be an arrest. It can be a, you know, a stop by police. It can be a having been in prison. Um, and the hands, you know, hands will go up. My mind goes up too. the, the, uh, research shows that one in three Americans of working age has been impacted by the criminal legal system or has an arrest or a conviction record. And that's, um, again, it, it can be something minor, it can be something major, but that's, that's pretty astounding. So to put it on, uh, you know, on a, on a level where people can relate to, you know, if you're, if you look around your neighborhood, it's going to be, um, so, you know, one of you, one of your neighbors close by has, uh, has been impacted. So trying to develop a little bit of, of empathy. I think um, another another statistic that's easy to come by online, you know, if you look at the recidivism rates, the individuals that are reoffending and going back, it's somewhere between 40 and 50 percent of individuals after they're released. And that's pretty astonishing. Um, and, and it was to me when I, you know, first started, you know, digging into what I what I do here. What we also know is that if an individual has come to Safer Foundation and gone through a program, our recidivism rate, and and like I said, we've been around for a long time, and we've got to report and track all of this stuff to the funders that we work with. We know that our rate is is on average 20% or lower, so it's less, way less than half the national average for for recidivism. Um, and that's you know that's due to a lot of things, but it 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 has to do with the folks that we're working with. Now, one point that I often try and 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 make as well, it's easy to assume, just because of the way we talk about all of this, that every individual that comes back to the Quad Cities, because we are the only organization that deals exclusively with that population, um, it's easy to assume that. Um, that everyone coming back to the Quad Cities um, after incarceration comes to Safer Foundation, and and they don't. Frankly, it's it's the ones that you know the, we talked about the referral process and how they come to find Safer Foundation. So it's a it's a portion of the of the total, but those that do and those that stick it out um, are individuals that that are in it because they want to make a change because they're ready to get their life on back back on track and that's that's a conversation that we have with employers that we work with with housing uh folks that we work with you know we can't speak for everyone that's coming back into the community after being incarcerated but we can tell you this is true for 
the individuals that we work with. You know, they're committed, you know, and they're ready to make a change. Yep. Rick. Yeah, Brian, the, uh, the uh, article I was referencing mentioned that uh, some of the major employers in the Quad Cities, Craft, Sterilite, and John Deere, uh, are uh, just a few of the companies that uh, Safer works with. What other what other uh, smaller companies or uh, smaller mom and pop organizations uh, do you find jobs for some of your clients? You know the the ones the ones that were in the article were kind of you know the recognizable names. There are there are a lot of more mid sized um, companies. Hill and Valley um, is a is a bakery. Um, Sears Seating isn't small, but but they're a great partner with us here in the Quad Cities. Yeah, you give it a good idea. What, uh, what? So it's a, the type of jobs they get is an array of, of jobs being, is it just not dishwashers or janitors? Is it is it uh, higher level jobs than just that? It, it is. Um, it's our, we were real thrilled to look back at our FY, our fiscal year uh, 22, uh, to find that our average wage for employment was i want to say 1780 um something you know these are good good jobs for the most part oh, yeah. and depending depending on the individual and the employer um it's everything from uh from you know working in the warehouse but we also have the programs help individuals get their their uh cdl their commercial driver's license and we'll pay for for that training we'll help them get their forklift certification um a number of those types of of jobs but we also the relationships that we have with for instance blackhawk and ambrose and, and eastern iowa community colleges um we're able to connect people with uh, career pathways that are, are in um, healthcare and and advanced manufacturing, construction, hospitality. So a lot of those types of jobs, and again, a lot of it depends on kind of that initial intake that we do. Um, Jack, the gentleman that was was featured in that article, and and um, we we were so appreciative to get that coverage and and to be able to that Jack let us use him to tell our story, if you will. Um, Jack has a tattoo business that is his uh he can't decide if it's going to be his vocation or if his ab or his avocation but um he's very good but while he's doing that he took training uh through us to become a phlebotomist and because uh, he thought he saw some crossover there with his tattooing business, yeah. and then he went he went on from there and actually got a job at Deer, and he's doing quality inspe- inspections at at Deer, um, and they're they're keeping him very busy. And it's funny the with the the employment. I don't want to know if I want to call it a crisis, but it is a, depending on the employer, I guess, being able to find a good employees. Um, we're hearing now from companies that would not talk to us b- before COVID and before, you know, is such a tight job market, which, you know, we're, we're, we're happy to work with them no matter what the reason is, but it, it's turned around a little bit. So we're, we're, we're trying to keep the funnel full. Okay. Uh, Jay. Um, 
Brian, I'm interested in, you mentioned that you have some, some offices in the Iowa Quad Cities as well. Uh, have you got a presence in Iowa? And, and this seems like such a wonderful program. Uh, it sure feels to me like there's, you know, I'd love to see you with branches in every state in, in the union. Um, how is that, you know, is there, are there efforts to expand? Have you tried and maybe not had success? Um, sort of talk about, you know, the, the, the outreach, the expansion of your, of your program. And we've got a, about three minutes left on the segment of the show. Yep. All righty. Yeah, we, we would love to expand. Um, I am right here in the, in the Quad Cities. Our, our headquarters for the Quad Cities operations is in the, um, the J.B. Young Opportunity Center, the, the Davenport School District admin building now, so j- just down the street from Ambroser, um, is where our, <clears throat> excuse me, our administration and our youth empowerment program is located. Our Department of Labor program and Department of Justice program are headquartered actually out of the 7th Judicial District buildings. It was 605 North Main in Davenport here. Um, and then our employment services uh, operations are in the uh, in the old Kone Elevator Building. It's the Heritage. I'm trying to think what they call it. Over there, right next to I-74, the city of Moline just purchased it, so we'll see how long we'll we'll be there. But that's our that's our headquarters for that operation. And then in Chicago, I believe we have eight locations in the Chicago market. We did have offices at one time in East St. Louis and I think Peoria. Um, due to funding, the way that things operate in our world, and and uh, uh, the way things are set up, those programs that were in those locations ended. Um, but we would like to to grow that more. I think I mentioned we'd like to see our youth empowerment program grow to where to where we can take more students outside of the judicial system that that we can can work with um, our employment services bill our program right now is funded by title 20 in illinois and so we can't although we work with individuals from the iowa side we can't enter them into a officially into the programs so we're making efforts to try and bring that to the iowa side and then in in chicago we have services direct services housing substance abuse and those types of things that are actually safer um not not subsidiaries but but subcategories within the the organization that we'd like to be able to offer here right now we work with the community partners that that we talked about earlier to cover some of those needs but they're you know we have great partners to do that Okay. When we come back, we'll wrap things up, so please stay tuned. This is ROI on KALA, St. Ambrose University, 106.1 FM. You're listening to Relevant or Irrelevant. This series is produced at St. Ambrose University's KALA Radio and has been honored by the Midwest Broadcast Journalists Association and the Iowa Broadcast News Association for excellence in public affairs journalism. You can hear this edition of ROI and many previous programs in this series by visiting Spotify, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, plus Apple Podcasts. ROI airs Friday nights at 9.30 p.m. on KALA HD2 and can also be heard at 106.1 FM in the Metropolitan Quad City area. You can stream this show every Friday night at TuneIn.com. Search for KALA HD2. 
This concludes the 409th show of ROI, Relevant or Irrelevant. Our producer and engineer is Dave Baker. Our program manager is Rick Sweet. And the theme song for our show is titled Kayla's Theme, which was written and performed by Mark Zap Zaptel. My name is John Keeley, and we would like to thank our guest, Brian Monroe, Assistant Director of Safer Foundation Quad Cities, who talked to us about Safer Foundation, um, its works, and its past. The history buff for today's show were Rick Sweet and Jay Sorts. This is ROI, Relevant or Irrelevant, on KALA. The views expressed on this show are not necessarily those of St. Ambrose University or KALA. We would like to wish all our listeners to experience the great Basutu proverb, Hotso Pulanala, peace, reign, and prosperity. And remember, historians are horrible fortune tellers. Good night. Good night.